This is Waddle and Sylvie on WMVP WSHE HD2 Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. A good karma brand's radio station. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. That's why, Waddle, we will be reintroducing ourselves to uh, the great fan and Sylvie show in person for 2023. We're going to bless them with our presence. Yes, we're going to be out at Twin Peaks Friday. Come on and see us. We'll set you up for the uh, glorious football weekend. Some great games this weekend. Uh, we'll be at Twin Peaks 2-6. to six. It's the one in Oakbrook Terrace at 22nd Street. So come out and see us. Text your friends. Say, hey, our buddies Waddle and Sylvie are in our neighborhood, right by our work, wherever we live. Let's uh, do this. Yeah, let's do it. We're going to have a combination of kind of like new age matchups and a very tasty old school Dallas Cowboys San Francisco 49er matchup. We're going to preview some good stuff. Yes. Remember a- growing up like in in like maybe not being kids, but as teens and like the old Cowboy 49ers matchups. And well, the catch also- the, wasn't the catch of 49ers Cowboys. Yes, it was. Yeah. Joe Montana, Dwight was Clark. That, was that over too tall? Was too tall? Uh did he have his hand up? I don't know. I'm not sure if it I was too know. tall in that, but uh, the Dwight Clark catch yeah. was Cowboys Niners. Yes. There are some... The, the, the NFL history is littered with Cowboy Niner matchups. Yes. I wish the Bears were involved more with some of the classic matchups. Maybe going forward. Yes. And dawn of a new day. Yeah. But come on out and see us at Twin Peaks. It's our first broadcast of 2023, and uh, we can't wait to see you this Friday. So come on out, celebrate a, a, a new era of Bears football, and we'll be talking about the division matchups that uh, we'll have for you on Friday. Also, uh, we talked to Tariko today. Oh, Mike nice. Tariko is going to be joining us on Thursday. Yeah, he uh, he had a great call. The Cincinnati Ravens. That's game. the one game I missed a lot of. I uh, my daughter. Happy birthday to my daughter Georgia. She turned thirty today. Hard to believe I have a thirty wow. year old. But- uh, Happy sun- birthday, Georgia. Sunday night was uh, birthday dinner, so of all of the games that I missed the most of, that was one. I had a, I had my phone locked in and was watching, but obviously didn't have the volume up because we were at a birthday dinner, but didn't uh, didn't hear. Of course, Mike Tirico had a great call. Do you have the uh, call? I know we were going to play it like later as a rejoin. This call at the goal line. And the, the Sam Hubbard, have you ever mentioned that Sam Hubbard went to Moeller on the show? I think I have. You I've have? never met Sam, but I know, uh, yes, I've mentioned it in the past. We should get him Ohio on. Ohio State guy, too. Yeah. He's Ohio State player. He's their captain, right? I One of their captains? So. Yeah. So, Sam, like, they're on the goal line. That's the difference in the game. Baltimore's on on the doorstep, ready to score. And None of us thought lead. that game was going to be close either. I mean, like that I, game that was one of my best plays, and like the Bills game, we all thought was yeah. going to be a blowout. I had also the Chargers minus one and a half. I uh, looked away, came back, and <laughs> it got real. It was yeah. It was it was it was different. It was a different weekend. It was it was, but at least we got some close, yeah. juicy matchups. Listen, and- I apologize to Dolphin Nation. I told you guys that you should have you should have just forfeited. I give Skylar Thompson and that crew from Miami credit for competing. Or right, you apologize to Skylar Thompson. I will apologize today to Danny Dimes. I said Danny Dimes wasn't very good. Danny Dimes was awesome. Yeah, he was good. Danny Dimes was awesome. Between Danny, well, I would, you know, 
I would say Dak Prescott wins the award for best performance by a quarterback in the first round of the postseason. But Danny Dimes close Purdy? behind Purdy? it. Purdy was good too. Dismissing Purdy? No, but like Danny Dimes has got less to work with. I meant Purdy good too. I mean, not Purdy good. It but was Purdy, Purdy was really good too. Purdy good. Purdy Listen, good. somebody also like. I mean, can we just can whoever has this thought that that Kyle Shanahan is overrated? Just just swallow no, that. No thought. one does it. Just Even swallow on the bandwagon. Th- swallow finally. that thought. Remember that used to be his big thing. Oh, everybody, everybody loves the Niners. They're not all down in a bag of chips. That's what he used to say. It's a third string quarterback. Who, by the way, he's even on them now. Is he really? Yeah, I mean, I like, mean, how could you not be? It's it's everything you want. Since Brock Purdy took over the 49ers starting quarterback spot, they've scored 35, 37, 21, 37, 37, 38. All of them wins. 13 touchdowns and three interceptions over that stretch. Nobody's perfect, but they've built themselves a roster, and they have a damn good coach. Now, if the Dallas Cowboy team that showed up in Tampa, and I'm not so sure some of that wasn't enhanced by Tampa's horribleness, but if that Dallas team comes to San Francisco or Santa Clara and plays at the high, like, the, the Cowboys can win that game. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, the Cowboys' high is really good. There's no doubt. The, the problem is yeah. is that they play, They sometimes they don't always give There's their... There's no doubt. I said the discrepancy between a team's good and bad there's no bigger discrepancy of any of these teams than there is with the Dallas Cowboys. If you watched that game against the 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 Commanders, you would have thrown up your lunch. Yeah. It was horrible. And look at look at not only is Shanahan a good coach and have they built a great roster, but look at all the assistant coaches who have yeah. been named head coaches and they've got one of the hottest uh, assistant coaches right now who's going to get a job. Again, another guy who's going to get a job in D'Amico Ryan. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he's. they just keep churning him out. Uh, By the way, D'Amico Ryan's is so good, he's not even taking the Texans' offer for an interview. He's oh, like, really? yeah, he's, he's, like, he's like, he's like, no, yeah, that place yeah. is a mess. No. He could pick. He could pick which job him. he, he, can, he and wants. And yet, Sean Payton's down there meeting it a couple of times. He's, what, he's, what's the guy's name? McNair? Was a, is a car, uh, what's it? Uh, Hell. Cal, right? yeah, yeah, Cal, it's perfect. I still can't get that view out of my brain that they go to the owner's booth and there's Cal McNair sitting like this. And I think his wife was asleep. She was either asleep or she had the look of disgust on her face. Look, we just went through all the past issues. No, I, with our, I mean, I like, wait, should we, we be, be making stones. fun I get it. I of know. sons of past owners? Like, I mean, or like her grand, grandchildren? It's fair. I, I like before we play the field stuff. I was telling you the past stories about how presidents can make a a difference. Like people say, Sylvie, how is the president going to make a difference? Um, this is a story I've told you many times when I was on the beat. It was when Ted first took over. It was when the first round draft pick used to get the most money out of anybody on your roster. They since took care of that. The signing bonus for the first-round draft pick used to be the highest, and when you had an early first-round pick, it would be astronomical. Sam Bradford, the last quarterback was, to get that contract. He was the straw that broke the camel's yeah. back when they're like, enough. He got like $55 million or Whatever something like was, that. Yes. And they're like, enough of the unproven guys getting the most. It should go to players who have earned it. Yeah. And but But that's the way it used to be. And Mark Hatley who wasn't the Bears' general manager, but was pretty good at his He's job. Yeah. And, and say what you want, that he didn't draft um, Randy Moss. There, he had some misses, but he also drafted some pretty good Bears players. Um, 
Mark Hatley in the 2001 draft, the Bears were drafting eighth. And he went to Bears president at the time when he was just taking over in his first, it was like his second or third year. He went to Ted Phillips and he said, Ted, there's a player I want to draft. I want to trade up into the top three or whatever pick it was. It was like in the top three or four picks. There's a running back who I want. We need a running back. And this is a difference-making player. I want to go up and I want to grab him. And Ted said, no, it's going to cost us too much money in the, sal- in the signing bonus. I don't want to grab him. I know who it was. And, and, and the running back was... LaDainian Tomlinson. And because... Who did we draft instead? I'll tell you the whole story. And because the signing bonus was too much money, because Ted had the calculator, it got in the way of football. Got in the way of drafting LaDainian Tomlinson in the top four. Instead, the Bears stayed where they were at eight. And they drafted David Terrell. Friendly guy. He was friendly. Nice guy. Not to valet drivers when he first got to town, if you remember. Uh, that's true. He lived in your building, didn't he? He did. He, and he was. And that's when he got friendly. Um, so then the Bears, in the second round, ended up getting A-Train, who had the good rookie year. But then um, they wanted still the running back. The second part of the story goes, since they couldn't get LaDainian Tomlinson and Mark Hatley really wanted a running back, he wanted to take that early second-round pick and trade back up, like a lot of the good teams do, and get back into the end of the first round. And they had a running back out of Mississippi targeted, who was another dual-purpose running back like LaDainian Tomlinson, not as good, obviously, who was like LT, and they wanted to draft this running back. Ted, again, nixed the move. Non-football guy. President, though, took his calculator out. I don't want to pay the signing bonus of two first-round picks. Finances, again, got in the way. That running back, who Mark Hatley wanted to go back into the first round, Deuce McAllister. was Deuce McAllister. These are all the stories of what a good team president or bad team president can do to your team and set you up for the future. Two good to, players, uh, again, yeah. about whether it's Ryan Pace forced to hire a head coach he didn't want. Whether it's Phil Emery forced to have Lovey Smith, a coach that he didn't want. Whether it is Bruce Arians forced to do a mock press conference and that's why they hired Mark Trestman instead of Bruce freaking Arians, whether it's uh, Ryan Pace not informing anybody that he was going to draft Mitch Trubisky. It's all because they didn't have a steward on top of the franchise to take care of things like hopefully Kevin Warren will take when he touches everything. He won't be drafting. He will leave it up to, to Ryan Poles. But again, when you have a good leader. These things are the things that a good leader will hopefully make sure doesn't happen again. No, it's it's a great point. These I are mean, the horror stories yeah. and on well, why set we your got to where back. we right. And that these are the reasons why the Bears don't go to the playoffs often. These are the reasons why the Bears haven't won another Super Bowl since nineteen eighty five. 
There are all the reasons why. And it's why I've wanted a change at the top for years and years. And these are all true stories of things that have happened to the Bears, all because of bad leadership at the top. You got your wish. Yeah, I did. I did. Here's um, Kevin Warren today regarding Justin Fields. If you remember, COVID shutdown. Um, Kevin Warren, very unpopular move. It was why Big Cat at first, who we'll talk to at four, was not a fan of the Kevin Warren hire right away. Because he remembers Kevin Warren shutting down the season when all the other colleges were playing. And uh, Justin Fields' father led the way with Justin, and they boycotted the Big Ten offices. And they pressured the Big Ten to then, what was it, a five or six game season that year? I think so. It was definitely an abbreviated season. I don't know exactly how many games they played, but it wasn't a full slate. So Fields had really, really bad... uh, uh, feeling about Kevin Warren. There was a rift there. And so uh, Michelle Steele asked the question about uh, what is the relationship now between Justin Fields and Kevin Warren? And this is the way Kevin Warren answered that question today. I'll say this. If I had been in the Big Ten at that time, um, I would have done the same thing. And what that told me about Justin is he's passionate. And if, if it now, my whole goal was trying to keep players safe. Uh, I appreciated him uh, to be able to take that leadership role. So I was ecstatic. I called him on draft day. I was ecstatic when he got drafted by the Bears because that's what you need from a leadership standpoint. But I have a, a strong personal relationship you know, with him. He's talented. Uh, he's a leader. I love this passion. I would have been the same way of being able to do it. Interestingly enough, I've only been to one game in Minnesota since I left. In 2019, I was at, in Minnesota for some meetings, and it was the weekend that the Bears were playing. And so I actually went to the game and went into the to locker room to say hello to Justin and a lot of our Big Ten folks, Riley Reef and Trevor Simeon, and, and just to be able to go uh, to say hello. But I have the greatest amount of respect for him, you know, because I know he's going to do everything he possibly can with the talent that he has uh, to be a leader, and he wants to win championships. So I take it as a compliment. Those are the people that I want because if someone was not upset about playing, then I really would, would be concerned. Because I know if I was in the Big Ten and someone did what I did, yeah, I would have led a revolt uh, to be able to play because that's how passionate I was, you know, to take advantage of it. So I think that's great. What do you think of that answer? I think everything is uh, let bygones be bygones. I don't think that they're going to have a problem going forward. No, it's, it's obvious. Yeah. yeah. So that's all he, that he even sounds like he's he doesn't. He, it doesn't sound like he's a fan of what he did back in 2020. No, I mean, listen, with the benefit of hindsight, I think that there are a lot of decisions that were made initially that probably didn't pan out to be good decisions. So, but I, yeah, again, I don't think that, I don't think that, I know it's a question that has to be asked, but I don't think there's there's any bad blood. But I've, I've heard that a lot. A yeah. lot of people have brought that up. Oh, well, what's that going to be like with Justin? Ooh, I don't have a good thought process with Kevin Warren because of what he did with the Big Ten. Build me a nice stadium, throw me some touchdown passes, we all go home happy. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, really, right? I mean, it's a transactional business, and it's a result business, and if everyone's good at their jobs, we'll finally be happy. Build me a stadium, build me a team, let's go win some games, let's make Sundays happier. Here's Warren at the podium. What did you learn from building that stadium up in Minneapolis? A couple things uh, I learned. Um, I remember when we finished the stadium, 
I have all these boxes of binders, and many people said, you can get rid of those. You'll never use those again. I'm glad I saved them. But I think the, the biggest thing I learned was the fact that you need to plan before you start digging. And I think what made and makes U.S. Bank Stadium so special, we spent almost a year in planning. And planning is critical, and that's what I appreciate about the McCaskies is uh, they support the planning process. And so I think that will be really uh, critical from that standpoint. I know we're focused on Arlington Park and uh, that stadium development project. I look forward to leaning in um, to the stadium development project. But I think the biggest thing we can do is to make sure that we're methodical, we're detailed, and uh, we take the time to plan it properly. I mean, how much more confidence and secure do you feel about that project? And again, we will have no impact on it. We don't have any input in it. But just from the outside looking in, conceptually, it sounds awesome. But now it sounds like the process will be done in a competent manner. And I feel much more secure that you're going to build something that you're going to be proud of as opposed to getting halfway through it and going, "Uh uh-oh. Like, I'm not saying that would have happened. Right. But that, that's part of the equation. We, he knows all the issues that come up when building a stadium it. from scratch. I will be interested, like, God forbid that we will still be doing this and s- still be kicking and doing all of these wonderful things. However many years from now when the yeah, building's what would, built. What would be your bet? 30? 2030? Yeah. I don't think I it's done before say, 30. I, yeah, I was going to say seven years. I, I, I think that's the earliest. It's probably. Like, like yeah. if, they, if they close sometime this year, if they take another year to do all the studies. Yeah, probably. Or is, and, and my question it, would be, like, there's no way to determine this now. Because he even said when people asked him several questions about the stadium project, he's going to have to look over everything before he gives you an answer that he feels comfortable I wonder how difficult or how different would probably be a better way to ask the question. How different will it be in the state of Illinois, in Cook County, building a stadium like this versus being in Minneapolis and doing it? I wonder what the differences and what the similarities are and how that may, you know, he may have different hurdles here that he had there. The whole process. I just wonder how different it's going to be for them, for him. Is it easier to do it in the burbs than in the city? Don't know. Those are all good questions for him. We're a tradesman. And and maybe there will be more delays because of how things are done here versus how they're done in Minneapolis. I don't know. I have no idea. But I think that, like he said, he never envisioned having to do it again. Now he's going to do it again. And I just be curious when we get to the completion of that, how much different it is here than it was in the process in, in Minneapolis. Because as you said, I mean, notoriously, you know, late and over budget is kind of how a lot of, of construction projects end up, regardless of where you are. They were on time and under budget in Minneapolis. Yeah, that's what George pointed out. Yeah. When George was asked, hey, George, you've been in the building a lot in Minneapolis. What are some of the cool things that they've got that you like? He, he had a quip and that was it. And he didn't point out one good thing about it. He just said they were on time and they were under budget. I mean, listen, that that's positive. I mean, also good sight lines. The acoustics are good. The lights coming in. The environment's great. The the you know, all of that stuff. Just leave the horn there. Yeah. 
to keep the horn. Well, well listen, you keep the quarterback listen, there. Listen, the third, third down music or the air raid siren. We got our own history but we of crappy ditched, stuff. I Mallard, know. Didn't we ditch the third down? Didn't we ditch third down noise? We don't have yeah. third oh, down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. not bring the, it back. We don't have the air raid siren anymore. I don't? believe Do that we? was done in Matt Nagy's final yeah. season. Yeah, let's let's keep what? that policy in place. Did you guys see that? Is Nagy, is, did Nagy accept the interview for OC at Tennessee? Is he going? Is he going to interview? They, they requested permission for him and Eric Bieniemy. I right. don't know if I haven't seen any reports saying that he won't take. He won't interview. I'm assuming he would. Would he? Yeah, he gets called plays. Why? Like again, what does Mike Vrabel see in that? Matt Nagy, when he was head coach, fired himself how many times as the OC? He said to himself, "You are not good enough to call plays. Your play calling sucks." He fired himself two or three different times. What will be he was he was a worse play caller than he was a head coach. Why would Mike Vrabel, who is a smart head coach, want him to call plays? Don't know. He wouldn't be my first choice. It's interesting too. I've seen a lot of people because of the praise being being thrown in the direction of Brian Dable and I've seen some Bears fans be like, okay, just wait a second now. You know, we had Matt Nagy. He was coach of the year as a, as a rookie okay, head coach. Wait, wait they were 12 and 4. I would just say this to, and, and people may be right. I don't know. Maybe they're in a honeymoon period in New York, and maybe things will be more difficult next year. I would just say this. It took Brian Dable all of about three weeks to put his quarterback in position to take advantage of what he does well and game plan for him. And build a game plan around Daniel Jones, it took the other guy three and a half years. It took Matt Nagy until the final five or six games of what was it, the 2020 season or 2020, whatever season it was, whatever Matt's final season was, to finally put Mitch in a position to take advantage of his, his skill set. Well, and then the, the track record, too, like in Buffalo, yeah. uh, Dable was the highest offensive voice. Uh, McDermott's a a defensive guy. Yes. When 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 Nagy's in Kansas City, how many levels of offense of guys were above him there initially? With Andy Reid and Doug Peterson was there originally, and yeah. Brad Childress was above him. Like Matt Nagy at one time was like three or four. Like it, it, B- Dable was always the guy in charge of developing um, Josh Allen. Yeah. And calling the plays there. And then, like, that's why you knew it would transfer. Well, that's why I'm pretty confident, yeah, that that, that situation, I don't know that they're going to win a Super Bowl anytime soon, but I think their offense is in good hands with him yeah. and how he goes about his business. I think he's got a proven track record that he knows what he's doing. Well, and, and think about, too, like, Dayball, like, he understood, hey, I'm going to let Mike Kafka call plays because it's overwhelming for to be doing a first-time job so let me utilize the guys who I've brought in to be my coaches. And Kafka's really, his star has been rising for a while. And then uh, who's his DC? Isn't it Wink Martindale? Yeah, like yeah. A, mm-hmm. another, like he built himself a staff. Yeah. Of, like we've talked about guys who've been there and done it. Man, Wink Martindale's been doing it for a while. He's getting an, uh, I think he's getting a head coaching interview with Indy. Wink is? Yeah. I think they're bringing him in for an interview. But, like, that's a staff right there. No wonder they're in the second round oh, of the postseason. They, they, they're, they're coaching their guys up. When you guys were watching the game on Sunday, did you allow yourself to go, boy, 
it would have been nice to have Dayball as the Bears head coach. Yes, Peterson and Dayball, yep. both of them. Again, like again, and it's not so much hindsight. I said I've always said that like the Peterson, the Peterson um, the people who dismissed Peterson were too caught in the moment uh, over the the firing. Like people forget. What he did with Carson Wentz initially when he came out of college. He won a Super Bowl with a career backup quarterback. That's crazy. Who was that? I forget. At the end of his time in, in at the Eagles, was he was he a Wentz guy or was he a Hurts guy? And, I, and, no, I think he was sick of, sick of Wentz. Remember right, the issue that's what was. I remember, and they kept trying to, they, they wanted him to play. There Wentz, was fallout, they? though, remember, with Nate Sudfeld. They played him. In that last game against the Giants, and basically the question was who made them play him because they were basically doing what a little bit what the Bears did, and right. like you know, kind of jockeying for draft position. Look, all you got to do again is is look at the evidence. Like he's done a fantastic job bringing that quarterback along in Jacksonville. Fantastic job. And you, listen, I give the kid a ton of credit for having the mental strength and the intestinal fortitude to throw four interceptions in the first half and not absolutely bury his head in the ground and not be able to overcome. But that's also part of coaching as well, getting your guy in the right frame of mind. So, like, what they've done in one year down in Jacksonville has been very impressive. Yeah, yeah. But more uh, NFL playoff talk. Uh, we've got Waddle's World coming up. Barstool Big Cat at four. Again, don't forget, we're going to be at Twin Peaks on Friday. It's the one in Oak Brook Terrace. 312-332-3776. This is Waddle's World. And in Chicago, Tom Waddle. He can't run. He's not fast, but he gets open. Bears legend. Amazing. Nine career TDs in the NFL. He caught everything that was thrown and took every hit that they could give him. Tom Waddle. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? It's time to find out what's on Tom's mind. Is that why you are here? As we go inside Waddle's World. At Wintrust Community Banks, they are Chicago's banks. To find your nearest Wintrust Community Bank, visit Wintrust.com slash finest member FDIC. Uh, a lot of football. A lot of football to uh, go over. Uh, and maybe one of the pressing issues right now is the future of Tom Brady. Tom Brady says he's taking uh, things one day at a time going forward. I guess, what did he say last night? I didn't watch any of the postgame. I know you like a good postgame interview. It was kind of late for me. Uh, I wasn't staying no, up for that, but I've got, I've got, I've got it here. What's he you're saying? On, yeah, let's hear it. I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job. And I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support, and um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you everybody for welcoming me. All you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Was that a goodbye? Yes, to the Tampa Bay folks at least. I don't know if he'll play again. I think I think there's probably still a good chance. I, I'm, I love Tuami, but it's he's cooked, isn't he? Is he? I mean, is he cooked or I've is he cooked when he throws TV. 66 passes? Look, he he looks like he's. He looks like he's gun-shy, so to speak, in a lot of instances. Like, when the pressure's coming, he short-arms throws. He's 45, for Christ's sake. I mean, like, 
The interception in the end zone, that was, that was not Brady. Oh that was not Brady. No. We've seen. And he never throws red zone interceptions. What did they say? It was like three years since he had thrown one or yeah. something like that? I mean, like, look, I, the coaching wasn't very good around him either. They weren't chipping Micah Parsons the whole game. I don't know what their route combinations look. I don't like that team. Is just, it's a reason, there's a reason why they're 8-9. So well, what is Josh McDaniels thinking, one of the rumored teams? I wouldn't. What I wouldn't Mike? hitch myself to him. Would you? I know it's Tom Brady, but like... I mean, he, he Derek, will be 46 next year. Derek I know. Carr is a better choice for the what Raiders than Tom Brady. Thinking? Miami's probably thinking, as Meller was saying at the break, that maybe, hey, listen, if Baltimore doesn't appreciate... Lamar, maybe they'd like to trade him to us. I think someone's going to take a chance on Brady next year. I agree with you. I, 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 don't, believe, I don't believe he's retired. I agree with you. I think he will play, but my goodness. I just think, and I have always told you, I'd be late to the Tom Brady's done party. I. But you're here. Yeah, yeah I mean, here. but I saw it early in the year, too, where I was like, something is off, something ain't right, something... And by the way, I don't know if he was just being really nice to everyone because he's a really good guy or he knew that people were going to rip his ass because he, he tried to kick somebody Yeah, that, the, the interception. The slide tackle. And, and, like, he ultimately kicked his own player. But that's a, like, that's he's dirty. done some dirty stuff this year as a Tampa Bay Buck. You're 45 years old. You should be above that stuff. That's what the immature guys in the league do, not you. That's dirty. Page right right on, that is that page is right right dirty. Mac Jones is Moderna. Right, right. It's a Belichick thing, maybe. It's a yeah. Belichick thing. Will, will, will he, he's got to get, get fined for that. Of right? course. If he doesn't, it's like that's, that's Brady privilege right there. You well, have to find him. He does have Brady privilege, I know. though. I don't know. It's the I last game of the year. Maybe they just move on and pretend like it never happened. Uh, did you find yourself at all last night feeling some sort of sympathy for Brett Maher? Brett Maher was yeah. four straight uh, extra yeah. points missed. Yeah, I did. Because he's been a good kicker this 50 year. 50 of 53 extra points in the regular season. Missing his last one, actually, in week 18. I pointed out in the text chain, he was 9 of 11 from 50 or yeah. more. He had missed uh, only two field goals from 50 or longer. And he missed four extra points in one game. He had a really good year for Dallas. And here's the thing, though. The sure, troubling thing night. is he missed his last one, two of the regular yeah. season. So he's missed five in a row. So until he finally hit one late last night. Like, he definitely, he, if you watched him. You know who wasn't was feeling sure. bad for him? Pey- yeah. Peyton Manning on the Manning oh, cast. Oh, yeah. You want to hear it? He's like, why, yeah. uh, why are you kicking him? He was pissed. Yeah, going left, throwing back right in the end zone. Oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. I've never seen anything like it. Why are, Why are we kicking it? Why are what we kicking it? What is going on? He can't believe it. Talk about a buzzkill. No one's ever missed three field, three extra points in a row. That's got to be a guy at halftime of a playoff game? got to be a record. Calling for him to be cut? Liquored up yes. kicker. That's, That's exactly what I was thinking. Went liquored up By kicker way, with Mike Vanderjack? That was only the third missed one in a row. That yeah. wasn't even the fourth. So what do you do now? You, like, I mean, like you do if you lose that San Francisco game because Maher misses a kick, you're gonna people are gonna say you missed the warning signs. But if you cut him, who's a you're gonna cut a point. good kicker, uh, and then you're gonna let like yes, a guy off the street possibly kick in an important situation. It is re- it's not like 
Cody Parkey who had a bad year right. all year. Right. Uh, this is a guy who was really good for you this year, who had the yips in one game. Can he can he write the ship this week? You get him in the sports psychologist's room and you guys you talk it out. But and I don't know what the there, answer is. There's too much talent. But, I, no, I, for me, and they've said he's he's going to kick for them, right? Didn't Jerry Jones yeah, say Jerry that? Jerry Jones said that after oh, the he game. Did? Mm-hmm. He said, I ain't got time to jack with another kicker. It's something that he's going to uh, suck on all, all five days? Yeah. Is that what he said? He did not say that. Uh, we get stuck on that all week. Chargers have fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, and I believe their passing game or their quarterback's coach, Shane Day. Both gone. Well, but you, Day. Brandon Staley, you get to stay. Shane Day, a one-time Bears guy? Was he Shane Day, a one-time Bears guy? The name's familiar. No, I think of, are you thinking of Sean Desai? No, Sean Desai was, was the defensive, defensive coordinator. coordinator. But I want to say Shane Day, was he the one? Not sure. Was Shane Day yeah, at Ohio State coach in 2010? For the Bears? For the Bears, yeah. There you go. Good call. Cutting Cutting. question is his memory. Uh, yeah. Joe Lombardi, out. Shane Day, out. Brandon Staley, grab some bench. Sit over there and just kind of cool off. Get out of here. We were out to dinner. I'm like, all right, not a bad night to be out to dinner with a wife. It's 27 to nothing. It's I'd never the, a bad dinner to, no, night to no, be out with No, no, you're right about that. But I had the phone. I had the iPhone up just in case. You know, we've done that before when we're out with the wives. I had the iPhone up just yeah. monitoring it, you know, peeking back. And I'm like, it's 27 nothing. This is good. Game next, over. Next thing you know. We're leaving the restaurant, and it's 27, what was it, 14 or something? Uh, 16 or yeah, whatever it was. And I'm like, you know what? What was it, 27-7 at the half? Didn't they score a late yeah, touchdown right before the half? They did. Uh, Mike Brown breaking some news in Cincinnati. Oh, not my Mike Brown? No, no, no. not your Mike Brown. Uh, says he wants a long career for Joe Burrow in Cincinnati. Breaking some news there. Yes, he we is. We want to keep this guy here. In town. Yes. That's what we want to do. Shattering we want to We want to keep him here. I guess, you know, maybe in response to, like, I guess some would say, hey, listen, in Baltimore, you would think they'd be saying the same thing, but they're not saying the same thing. No, that's that's a, are you, are you, you on the bat wagon now that they're going to trade him? Did you see maybe his, so. I, you see yeah, his Instagram so. post, too? I did not. About I taking am, care of. Uh, I am surprised, though, that he wasn't at the game. Are you? I am. Well, I am. Well, they they are they're bickering. No, I know, but well, I yeah, I I I I would think that I saw get up this morning. I think Dominique and and Spears both were saying they. I think Greeny asked them. They both said if they predicted he'll be with the the Ravens next it, year on the a end. franchise tag. Here's the thing, though. I get it. It probably makes the most. It's the most logical way to go. But who's really at fault here? Because I understand. Lamar sees the deal that Deshaun Watson got, right? The guaranteed money. And he's won an MVP in this league. So I can see why he doesn't want to be shortchanged at the bargaining table. But, but at Lamar's the same time, five, the last five games of each of the last two regular seasons precisely. and the postseason the last two years. So if you're well. the Ravens, you probably don't want to give him that deal. But do you want to have a quarterback? Can you Can you have a quarterback who's unhappy? And if he does get injured is like, I'm not going back out onto the field because I don't have guaranteed money until I am 100%. Right. Like, again, uh, would he have missed the last game of the season if you would have given him a better contract? Wouldn't you say, based on all of this, if you're connecting the dots here, they were reluctant to give him the contract for whatever reason. 
This year ended up the same way last year did, when they decided not to give him the contract. He missed the final five games due to injury, and he didn't play in the postseason. So this year ended up just like last year with regard to him and his availability. Wouldn't you think if last year they didn't want to pay him, that they wouldn't have a change of heart this year because what happened this year is what happened but last year. But don't you see the huge difference between the way they look with him uh, versus how they look without him? Yes, but their concern is is we give him this giant deal and next year he misses the final five games and misses the playoffs. I know, but isn't he willing to play, though, and risk when it's not 100? Like, I'm not saying that he sat out because he didn't have a contract. He still was injured in my book. He just was willing, I think, to play if he was guaranteed stuff. I'm just connecting the dots from the Ravens' perspective. If you're trying to predict what the Ravens are going to do, I find it more likely that they would try to tag him and trade him than to go on with him going forward. Because they've told you already by their actions how they feel. Right. And then this is, again, what I've brought up in the past. I'm worried about the Bears. I'm always worried about Bears stuff. If Lamar's available and Jimmy's going to be an option... And there are cars out there. Like, will, will, this, it, will this decrease the value of the number one pitch? Some also believe that the 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 decision by C.J. Stroud announcing right. that he's going to come into the league. Albert also, Breer did. Yeah. Off, also kind of strangely um, will well, limit that. It's supply and demand. Yes. There's, there's more of a supply of quarterbacks, meaning the demand for the number one pick isn't as big. Correct. Uh, Cleveland Browns are hiring Jim Schwartz as their D.C. Uh, I think Russell Gage, the Buccaneers uh, wide receiver who went out on the stretcher yesterday, has a a concussion and a neck injury after the hit. I do believe he sent out a tweet, though, saying he's doing okay and thumbs up and, and he appreciates everyone's concern. He says, I appreciate all the text calls, thoughts, and prayers you ha- all have expressed towards my family and I. I just wanted to let you all know that I'm doing great in great spirits. So that's good news for Russell Gage. Did you see this new, uh, story, baseball fans? The Padres have given a 16-year-old $15.6 million in the international signing period. Wow. 16-year-old catcher Ethan Salas of uh, Venezuela. Signing to a $5.6 million bonus on Sunday, the first day of the international signing Now, they've, they've signed 16-year-olds before, just they haven't given them this much money, correct? Like, I yes. think there have been a lot of players from the Dominican who have signed its 15, 16-year-olds. $5.6 million. Well, not as, that much money, but I think a lot of them sign at that age. By the way, the White Sox have also agreed to deals with seven international free agents Juan as Uribe well. Jr. Yeah. So there's some. And by the way, the Cubs uh, agreed with uh, Trey Mancini two year deal. That was a Saturday night news story. You could have been at Cubs convention and been there for the excitement. I was quite surprised by that. After uh, Hosmer uh, uh, was signed, you thought that they were they were well, done. Money. Now all of a sudden, Trey Mancini looking to regain the power stroke. He'll be your DH. Play a little first base. Like, Meller somehow has become, like, the anti-Matt Mervis guy. I'm well, not anti. I'm no, wondering, like he, you're his PR agent. Yeah, I want to know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-young player thriving. What's the plan of attack for the PR if he's taking it bats in AAA? Well, if Matt Mervis is good, Matt Mervis will get it bats. If Matt Mervis isn't ready and struggles, Matt Mervis won't get it bats. Yes, that's pretty. Yeah, I, mean, I was pretty. Fair. I was sold by you that he, Matt Mervis is impossible for him to struggle. 
I thought he was the... Uh... Man, I'm just telling you what he did this past year. Matt Mervis had a hell of a, a minor league season. Hey, when we come back, I've got some stories. One about a penis-shaped rock. <laughs> I've got a uh, second Colorado library with some issues. And a woman that was thought to be dead, not dead. Oh, so I'll allow really you good. to pick which one you'd want to hear. I we... know. I know. I've got my order already. Okay. I've got when, it. When we come back, I will, uh, I will deliver what you ask for. Follow Chicago's Home for Sports on Twitch at ESPN 1000 Chicago. Waddle and Sylvie are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. All right, what do you want? Spin the wheel. I, I want... Um, dead, the, not dead? Yes. Dead not, how did you know that I wanted that first? The woman Just who the way is, that you reacted. Yes, that's, that's intriguing to me. A woman at an Iowa funeral home thought to be dead now is not. When someone is taken to a funeral home deceased, you'd expect that that's the end of the story. However, in this case, it's only the beginning. There is a report out of Iowa where a woman was taken to a funeral home believed to be dead. Now it's believed she's very much alive. Story. Uh, uh, the uh, story is about a the fire department in Ankeny, Iowa. Yeah. They were called to the uh, Ankeny Funeral Home and Crematory. Uh, details are a bit sketchy, but they shared audio from a first responder call, which included the following from the funeral, funeral home drama. Just so you know, this female was transported there, deceased. She's not. They're in the chapel and she's on a cot. They report that it's believed the woman was transported to the funeral home from a senior care facility. No names have been shared or confirmed at this time. No comment about the situation from the fire department or the senior care facility. Yeah, you're not sending her back to that same senior care facility, are you? No, no. All that is known so far is this. A woman was believed to be deceased. Now she is not. This is a developing story. It's Updates a success, facts but later. that's great success. Yeah. She's alive. Yeah. All right, now a penis-shaped rock. Okay, here we go. Story number two. Penis-shaped rock believed to improve performance in bed attracts visitors. What? Yes. Forget the Hard Rock Cafe. This Hard Ah. Rock is the latest tourist attraction. Men from near and far are visiting a bizarre penis-shaped landform with hopes some of its mythical sexual magic will rub off or help them find a soulmate. The locals and tourists in Indonesia are floating along the rocky inlets in this region in West Java to see the notorious penis rock. Decades of erosion and weathering erected a natural stone formation into a shape resembling a man's genitals. Men visit the oddity with hopes to improve their performance in bed while women pray to meet the man of their dreams to fulfill their desires. It's like this whole thing. It's like, is it like Abraham Lincoln's nose where you rub it for good luck? Did not know about that. No, did not. Uh, know. Do you know uh, Penis Rock? That is the new nickname for the Martin Luther King statue that they unveiled in Boston. I heard. I heard. Uh, I heard Shay telling the story today on Cap and Jay Hood, like who had the worst weekend, and I think he was referencing the sculptor who made the 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 the, the embrace. Yes, uh, that they unveiled the new Boston statue for Martin Luther King Jr. statue yesterday, and. Yes, from a from a particular view, it looks like hands holding a penis. That is not a good outcome. I'm sure that was obviously not the An oversight. Yeah, that, that was, was not, not what they were going not what for. they were going for. Why not just do something more basic? It's a fair question. That's a, so that was my that, thought. So that at the end of it, 
And when it's unveiled, nobody has a thought like Jeff just enunciated. I don't know. I don't know. Do you hear Ryan Sandberg is getting a statue? I don't know how we go from the penis rocks story to that. But well, we were talking about congratulations, statues, yeah. and it, a lot of people were commenting about you. And well, so, what do I have to do well, with it? Well, a lot of people thought, like, next to the statue, they should have, like, a TV screen that would play on a loop the Sandberg game. Or how about just his highlights from a brilliant career that, yeah, that he ended up in Cooperstown is because it, of? Is the, is the Rhino statue going to be at Wrigley? Yes. Okay. They announced that at Cubs convention. Where ah, else would it? Where would it be? I don't know. I didn't know if it was like for his high school. No, no, no. At right. Wrigley, yeah. I missed that. All right, Tom Ricketts announcing that there and saying the train Sammy statue no. is uh, scheduled for sometime about five years from now. Sammy not allowed. In fine, uh, yeah, that still is like Sandberg so statue. So Sammy not allowed. I mean, I bet you they brought and as well they should. I bet they brought guys. To Cubs convention this weekend that oh. may have had, may, oh. maybe had a cup of coffee with the organization. You know, like I could. And Sammy's not there. Yeah. By the way, a second Colorado library has temporarily closed due to meth contamination. You remember the story oh, I told you last month? This is an month. epidemic now. There's huh? another one, yeah. Stop taking meth or doing meth or smoking meth this in the is... bathrooms of a, a public library. Come on. Wow. What are we doing? Let's stop that. Okay? It's incredible. Go huh. to the penis okay. rock and pray for. Better, better sexual performance. Okay. Stop smoking meth in the bathrooms. All right. Uh, speaking of penis rocks, we talked to a Barstool Big Cat coming up next.